Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of our real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. I almost want to leave out the word exciting. I I agree. Right now, that's a little over the top. Well, it is. But you know something? I, I listen to you and I'm thinking, here we are sitting in the midst of this pandemic, which is beginning to really take a hold on of most people, and um, it's affecting all of us. Mm-hmm. And then I realized we've been talking about this an extraordinary reality for a long time, because we deal with it, and we and we work with people that deal with this extraordinary reality, and the changes that it puts us through. And I'm thinking, well, it's a very when I really I would love to see more people are. Uh, understand and learn from it, but most people don't live in extraordinary reality, and they don't want to. They want to avoid it because it involves pain it, and struggle. And difficulty. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, nobody can avoid it. It's just on us, on a massive level. We talked about that last week. But you know, there's some analogous situations. I mean, the certain things that we've seen caregivers and first responders and frontline workers have to deal with in themselves. Um, we've talked to uh, many times about how, in fact, we, we really emphasize how first responders and caregivers of all kinds have to learn to read themselves and their bodies because if they don't, things begin to happen to them and it kind of has a, a very negative effect on them. And there's ways to prevent that. It's but, because of all the stress that they're taking on yes. in their roles, uh, which often involve situations of, of crisis maybe even life and death, and that that places a real burden of stress on the body physically and emotionally. And if it isn't addressed, there can be real problems. No, that's the truth. But, you know, know, we we talk about it to talk to the general general public most of the time, that this is what we, what our, our podcasts are dedicated to, what the Institute's dedicated to. And yet, here we are. And there is so many similarities happening now on a mass level that we've been talking about for so long that can come in mighty handy um, if folks are open to it. Yes. Um, I, I think it's a, it is a, we never said it was easy. We never said that we are any different than anybody else as far as what we go through in the roles that we take on and the, and the work that we do. We, in fact, we say we're very human. And instead of trying to pretend that we're so above it, we're not. And we go through a lot of emotional changes, a lot of self-awareness. We have to, um, because if we don't, things begin to happen and take us over. And we've talked about how the energy of dealing with sick people and dying and dealing with extraordinarily overwhelming situations that we have no control over. Yeah, that's a key thing right there. That is. No control. That adds such an, a level of stress to anything else. That's right. That's right. And you know, the interesting thing is no one has control right now over no. what's coming at us. It's like an invisible war 
with an enemy you can't see, and yet it's massively damaging and destructive. So we all have been told about it, we all see it, others suffer for it, some, uh, many, enough people have lost their lives and families have lost loved ones from it already, that it's, it's, it's a pretty overwhelming situation that no one would choose. No. The key really is, what do you do in a situation we can't always choose the situations and difficulties that come into our lives? And we mentioned last week that very famous writer, Viktor Frankl, yes. who came out yeah. of the Holocaust. And he was a brilliant man. Wise man. And really. And he came out in a very down-to-earth way. Um, I'm trying to remember if he was a philosopher, a psychiatrist, but he was in the Holocaust. And um, he talked about... I, I love this because I remember he was one of the first writers that really caught my attention when I was getting my master's. And uh, a lot of this stuff to me was a bunch of gobbledygook, and I couldn't see even how it applied to reality. It was very academic, very intellectual. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I used to look at it and go, you're going to be kidding me from the world I came from. But then I remember coming across him and go, whoa, this man is talking about real life. And what people go through when they go through pain and suffering and trauma. And he studied it and he studied the human character, the human behavior and the attitudes. He did a beautiful job. And one of the things he, he, he said was, we can't always choose our difficulties. The Jews and those that were persecuted by the Nazis, they couldn't, they were Their taken over. Were Millions taken were killed yeah. and murdered. Mass, just horrendously evil things. And yet he said, and he was part of the groups that were victimized. But what he did say is we can choose the way we respond to the difficulties. We can, in fact, we can choose to have dignity right to the end of our lives. He's right. We have seen it in helping people. We've seen it. I see my wife has that dignity um, going toward the end of her life. And I watch this stuff and I'm going, he was right. Mm -hmm. we, we can choose. Is it easy? He never said that. But he did say a few things that really I just realized this week. Um, I've seen them many times, but every time every, something else sticks in my mind. But what he did say is meaning, he argued, comes from three things during these times. And he says one of them is the work we offer in times of crisis. The love we give and our ability to display courage in the face of suffering. And he says the menace may be subhuman or superhuman, overwhelmingly evil, but we all have the option of asserting our own dignity even to the end. We've talked about this and we continue to, um, about how people can change during this time and there are still ways even in the midst of these challenges, um, how to become a better, how we become better people I'll tell you, I can attest to it personally. I know you can too, and many people we know, because we are first responder types. We are frontline workers. Um, we are caregivers. We deal with trauma and the, the terrible manifestations that people have to go through after trauma or while they're going through it. So we know, because we've brought so many people through it. You know, and we've seen so many times that changes do not have to always be the worst. No. In fact, we've seen incredibly good changes come after people work through the impact of the trauma. Um, he talks about that. I he talks about how to learn to love. What were you going to say? Just, <clears throat> excuse me, just that 
But one of the things that, that you always stressed is that um, there's not only post-traumatic stress, there's post-traumatic growth. That is. And so often the real growth in character and in strength, personal integral strength, means going through hard times. I don't think it, I honestly, the most meaningful changes I've ever seen, they always come out of suffering and pain and hardship. I have never seen the most meaningful kinds of changes come easily, ever. And I guess I've seen a lot of hard times myself. I've seen a lot of hard times with other people, helping them. And the changes are incredible that you could never choose yourself conscious. It's just amazing. And um, I've, you know, I've been in this work of helping people now for almost 50 years. And every time I think I really have learned a lot, something else comes up, hits me harder, and I learn. I have so much more to learn about not just the other people and helping them, but about myself. And there are things that I have. There value. There's things that I value. But you know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I look at it and go. I have no clue how to get there myself. I wish I could be that way. It, it's, I know it's right and it's good, but I can't militaristically and authoritarianly force myself to do it because I can't even find that in myself and all it would come out, it would come out military and rigid and disciplined, but not very authentic. And I've seen that and I know, well, don't, don't waste your time doing that because that kind of discipline isn't gonna work. But it's almost like, the hardships and the difficulties all of a sudden put you in that place of facing these things. And it's almost like something, I want to say supernatural, but I'm a, you know, I'm a man who believes in God. And frankly, I do think it's a, the spiritual element of this thing. Um, as I'm talking, I think about loving someone and, or being loving, and he talks about that too. I think that is so important during these times to find an ability to love and to give and care for other people. I don't always see people lately, do, I, not yet. I think it's being encouraged to love and care for your fellow man and help them, they need it. There's people in more shape than you are. But I'll tell you something, there's a certain kind of love that I've always valued, but I really couldn't be the, the person to, I, I wouldn't mislead you to say, I know how to do it. And it, it had to do with being selfless not expecting anything in return. And in fact, experiencing it as a precious thing to be able to do, like it's a privilege to do it. You know what, I knew that for years, but I'll be darned if I knew how to get there. And it's not that I wouldn't have wanted to, but I knew I wasn't gonna be stupid enough to, to discipline myself into doing it, because that doesn't work. It has gotta be something so authentic. Go through struggle and suffering. You don't have to force it, it'll happen. And I, I find now, I'm even amazed at myself, that I can love selflessly without even expecting anything in return. Now, the interesting thing about that is I know how I used to be. And of course I wanted something out of it, whatever it was for myself, and it was an exchange and very nice and I enjoyed it, but there was something far beyond that. The times that there wasn't gonna be anything in it for me, couldn't be, and yet I still loved the ability to give to someone who couldn't give me something back because of their situation. They're dying, they're sick, um, they're helpless, and I find that it's a privilege. I find it to be an absolute privilege to be able to do for them and lovingly care for them. I can't put words to how much that means to me, and it touches my heart so deeply. 
So is the change, because it's something that I've always hoped for, never knew how to get there. And now I live in it. And I see that it is such a, an important way of living. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't get things out of life, but it's just that I see now that folks need to learn this new way of giving and living and working for the sake of helping others. I don't know if we're quite there yet in, this, in the midst of this crisis. We talked last week about the different stages that we've become sensitive to in dealing with crises, and we, we've been in the front lines for a long time. But I don't know if we're quite there, but I definitely hear an emphasis from so many people on encouraging people to help others. Starting to be a change. I, I turn be, to I'm beginning that. to see that, yeah. You bet. We'll, oh, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, today, Peter and I are continuing to hopefully encourage uh, and enlighten and support everyone uh, out there, because everyone out there, as we are, are going through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we started today uh, by remembering uh, just some important words of wisdom from Viktor Frankl and uh, about how to remain, uh, remain in charge of our responses during this time, how we can do that, how we can choose to uh, do positive things like important work, love each other, have courage. And just before our break, Peter was, was talking about changes that he's gone through. And, and I, I would think you would say that you have always valued loving relationships, and yet that value and that ability that you have has deepened through the very difficult times you've gone through. Well, I think it's a, some kind of maturing process that, you know, you can hear about, you can sit in church and listen to, and it's good stuff. But unless I wanted to <coughs> profess things that I wasn't at yet, and I know a lot of people that are spiritual do that, I wouldn't do it. Because I, inside I'd say, I, I don't know how to get there. It sounds wonderful, but I'm not there. And yet... I am now, and I don't know how I got there, but I recognize that I'm there, and I hold these experiences precious. The interesting thing, though, is it applies to all of us, and this is a time when we're all going through struggle and suffering. We're all being confronted. Last week, we spoke about extraordinary realities. We also talked about tangible values versus intangibles remember the things in our life some of them are tangible we can touch them we can hang on to them there are, and other things are the intangibles that we, yep. we value and yet we can't just grab them no and they're the more important values uh, I think that times like this are so confrontive to that value system it throws a sharp light on it, it sure does and you know last time we went through a terrible crisis it was rough and I saw people change, and a lot of it for the better. A lot of creativity came out of it, a lot of caring for, your, for others in a genuine way. A lot of good 
it was difficult times, no question. I mean, it's definitely hardship. And yet, people forgot. I know they did. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, God, I hope they don't forget what they've learned from this time. I'll be darned. <laughs> people forgot. And one of the things that I see is when the tangible, striving for tangibles, we place our security in. We place, we, we value having money in the bank and security and, and good jobs and, and our professions. And we, in fact, we, we value, instead of valuing ourselves, we only value ourselves through the work we do and the profession we have. It's, it's a mistake. We're far more than just that. And yet many people do that. Um, there's many things. You know, I used to talk about how people, and they still do, put their, put their security in, in things like 401ks and, and all their investments and their homes and their money and striving, striving, striving. I think you could add lifestyle in there too, the ability to travel, the ability oh. to, to uh, have the, you know, shop, travel, visit, go anywhere. Uh, so few restrictions on just do whatever you feel like doing. Well, I have to tell you, I've lived that life, and it was good for a while. I liked it. Mm, we can. I liked it. I had a ranch. I thought I was going to retire at age 47, which was a big joke. And, uh, but I did all the things that I envisioned when I was younger, and I reached them at a fairly active age. And I was living a pretty high life, traveling to the beautiful places, um, having the horses, the ranches, the fancy cars, all of that. I lived it. And you know what? I liked it. The only thing is, it didn't, it didn't last forever. And um, I look back on it now as, oh, I know what that feels like, and of course I liked it. But there were things that were more important that I... It was almost those things were distracted from really paying attention to the things that were truly important. And being stripped and having them stripped away in the last recession, in the very awful recession. Um, I remember having to come back to myself. I'll never forget my, my mother. Um, this is 90, almost 95 now, but then she wasn't. But she said to me, after we lost quite a bit in that recession, and my, my mother said, you're so much nicer and much better now, and you're more yourself than you've been in a long time. You're back to yourself. It's so good. And I, I listened to that, and I go, she's right. She is absolutely right. Was I generous to her? My dad? Absolutely. Yeah. But there was something, my ego was attached to it and things like that. And she says, you're so much more yourself again. So much more human. Yeah. I remember hearing that and going, she's right. She yeah. is absolutely on target, and I'm glad she recognizes it. So did I. I want to share something, too, because I remember there was a fight that you were, were going through for a long time during the recession and, and involving your ranch. And um, I remember the morning that you came in, uh, we were having a staff meeting, and you said, I've decided to stop fighting. I said that. Mm -hmm. You decided I need to... That's unheard of for I Peter need to Preston. let go. You had read a book uh, that had helped you by Deborah oh, Price. Oh, you're right, by Deborah Price. And you read through it. It had to do with uh, financial choices and arrangements in your life. And you came in and you said, I, I, I need to stop. And there was such a relief that I could feel coming from you. Sadness, yes, but relief. I remember that. And it was like you turned a corner and... And things were different. 
So that's what happens when you're younger than I am. You have a good memory. <laughs> that's really good. I remember now you talk like it was yesterday. Yeah. And Deborah Price is a friend of ours, and she's an economist and a financial advisor. Yeah. But she really emphasizes the intangibles as well. And that's right. I read her book, and it opened my eyes to stop fighting, let it go. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not good for anybody. You're not going to beat the banks. I remember that. And it was a massive amount of money I'd have to come up with. And I remember we came up with it and people said, hold on to it. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, they're right. Yeah. Enough's enough already. So, yeah, you're right. You have quite a, you've got a great memory and you're right. Not that the transition was easy. No. But I've, I've been through difficulties before and it was so familiar to me. Yeah. That I just went right into action the way I was trained to do in New Jersey, and it worked. I mean, it was hard. Yeah. But we got out of it, and we, we definitely moved on. I think it's an example of what you were talking about earlier when you said you could get militaristic about trying to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And you sure were. Mm -hmm. And yet, something else was needed. Uh, a different kind of, maybe a little bit of a surrender, which to me is more of a spiritual side. It was, it was. Well, it was a surrender. And for me, that used to mean being a loser. And, you know, where I grew up, that wasn't a good thing. And I, I remember being on the receiving side of not doing so good when I was younger. I didn't like it. But I think those values came, I came right up to them again. And frankly, I had to surrender. And I remember... It, it was very hard for a while, but I also remember it wasn't so bad. In fact, some of the transitions were better than the ranch. And I read this, this is so bad. And we did things, um, we gave back, I remember, to the kids from Africa, from Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was such a healing experience for, what, a couple of years, a year and a half? Yeah. And the next stage of our life, we still lived very nicely, didn't live on a ranch anymore, but we had another one. But, you know, I remember we gave back. And it gave me an ability to heal. And we've never forgotten it. All those kids are growing up that were, through, who went through the genocide in, in, in Rwanda. And they just have been so loving and such a blessing to us. So you're right. So there are creative things that come out of these difficulties. The one part I do want to say, though, I don't want to sound like a saint. I don't want anybody to feel like they're a saint right away. Because we do have emotions. We do have challenges and battles to go through like anybody and to say you could transcend them no is foolish no that's not what i saw you do no nobody did. no anybody that says that is living an ethereal world and i don't live there yeah. and no we all go through these difficulties um in learning to cope with them learning to read them learning to know how to deal with them so they don't destroy us we've spent many episodes on teaching caregivers and givers of all kind, how to pay attention to these things um, so they don't destroy you. Um, uh, I'm losing my train of thought. The, uh, no, we suffer, we struggle, we go through the pain of any human being. And as many years as I've been doing the work I do, I'm not super, superhuman. And with all the degrees and all the chain, uh, education I have, I'll be inexperienced. You know what's real to me? being a fellow human being and relating to my fellow human being, not hemorrhaging my, gushing my pain all over me, but I don't mean that, but feeling a connection with my fellow man. And you know what else I feel? A love for my fellow man. Now that doesn't mean everybody you, you like because there's people I don't like, but loving people, I do. Another thing that you do is 
you use what you've learned to help other people. Mm -hmm. And that was what I know that this discussion of tangibles versus intangibles in the paper that you wrote during the recession and that we're updating definitely came out of that experience. Yeah, it did. And there was yeah. a lot of wisdom that you've taken, you took out of that experience as you've taken out of so many that you've gone through. Yeah, that's right. And now that, we, now that we have this crisis on our hands, we're returning to some of these principles because they still, they're classic, they're, they're so important for they now are. too. We had, to, we had to tweak them to, this, to fit this pandemic crisis, um, but there's, there's that and the financial both. Um, there's people in great need. There's people that are being stripped to the core so quickly. And things that they've depended on are being just torn away from them, not by choice. But it's happening, and it's happening on a massive, not just the United States, all over the world. Is it painful? It is horribly uncomfortable and painful. And I see it unfolding more every day. But I'm also seeing and realizing good is going to come out of this. Um, there is a stripping happening. Um, it will bring us to focusing more and more on the intangibles, the things that are really of tremendous value. So it makes us kind of get back to what's really important. It makes us slow down, take a look at ourselves. Um, it makes us um, reevaluating. Kind of, I've seen people getting back to, well, as they're slowing down, I've seen them getting back to certain things that are like childlike. They enjoy it again. It's not fancy, mm -hmm. it's just sweeter. And I do see that in the midst of things now. I do see that happening. And yet I know people are struggling and suffering. I know they are, but yet I, they don't, what are they going to do about it? They've got, they, they got to do that and they better find a way to live and um, to find some meaning in life again, that's sweeter. And yet the things they thought were going to give them, the security, the control, the immortality, to avoid the hardships, none of it has worked. Here we are again. So then we get to these principles that we've developed over the last crisis and not from other crises. And I think we talked about them last week. I think we ought to bring them up and, and go yeah. into some of them. We went through them very quickly, so I think it would be very valuable to get back to them, and mm -hmm. we will do that. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, again, we are uh, reaching out uh, with encouragement and support for all, including us, who are going through the COVID-19 pandemic. In our last segment, we talked about some lessons that came out of the recession, the Great Recession. Uh, Peter was focusing specifically on tangibles versus intangibles and finding in difficult times, recovering or learning how much more important the intangibles can be than the tangible things that we might have been holding on to or putting our security in. Um, we were just at the end uh, talking about um, just the bottom line of how important it is to be human and to love each other, to, um, to slow down 
and to focus on the things that matter most. And the people. And, and the people. And I think well, before we started today, you mentioned that that is one slight change that you're starting to see as people are going through this time. They're starting to reach out a bit more and help other people. Well, they're slowing down enough to relate again. And I had a very sweet, I want to put a, a little thing in here just for some old friends of mine who are caregivers and who took care of my mom and dad for many years, and one of them still does, and that's some folks from Haiti that have been better, more close to, uh, closer to me than blood for a long time, and that's Yolanda Guyton and Taika Seville. Now, we've all gone on with our own lives there in Florida, and I'm here, and yesterday we had the most loving call in my, the whole day. That made my day. And we got back to connecting with each other, and they talked about how much Lynn and I meant to them, and Mike, our son, and, and I spoke about what I remember with them and how much they mean to me. And we took the time. To, they've always been authentic. Guyton was like a speed freaking. I don't mean the drugs. I mean he was a very hyper guy. He was a hyper guy. Today yeah. he's a, yeah. a youth leader in his church, and he has, an, he has a wisdom for a young man that was very... I was touched. I knew he could do it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and his sister is going to be a, a social worker. Doesn't surprise me now. And mom is is a case is a uh, is a caregiver for the elderly and disabled. Oh, she's an angel. Mm -hmm. But these folks, we had such a sweet time again that we had the time to talk to each other. And I got to tell you, it lifted my spirits. And now that my life, my wife is sick, they adore and always adored Lynn. And Guyton was remembered when he was a little boy. He was a little he was, monster. Yes. <laughs> My, if you were listening to this Guyton, yes, you were. He would admit it, I think. Yeah, he wouldn't admit it. But I'll tell you what, he's not anymore. He's an angel. And he spoke about the love he felt for Lynn. Mm -hmm. And she used to and really... Respect. And respect. respect. And she used to really have to be pretty strong. God bless you, Steve. God bless you. Had to be pretty strong. Guyton, he was like wild man from Haiti. But what a caregiver. Because yeah. in that culture... It's built right into the, the kids are better caregivers than most Americans. It's amazing. They have such a heart for the elderly and the sick. Guyton and Taika had that since they were very little children. And we spoke about it yesterday. They have it more now, of course, as they're older. She's going to be a professional caregiver as a social worker. I'm sure for the sick and the elderly. I'm sure of it. Mm -hmm. And Guyton's a youth leader and he cares a, for kids. That's a caregiver. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. a caregiver. Yeah. But um, it's very sweet. But, you know, would I have taken the time, did I have the time, and did they have the time for all of us to come together? You know, we've had, we've had connection, but not like this. And I'm thinking to myself, here's one of the positive things that come out of a crisis like this. It gives us a time to refocus on the things that really matter, family, community, relationships that have been so precious to us that we may have sped by and life just was moving so fast we were moving fast now we have the time to to express our gratitude and appreciation for the little things and this i know i was talking to them and it was those little memories that were so loaded with sweetness and genuineness that's the that's the intangibles and here we are in the middle of a crisis and we all are now reconnecting that's one experience I've had, a number of experiences like that. But we live in this extraordinary reality anyway. We care for others, we take care of them. But this was more personal, mm -hmm. even more personal. Yeah. Um, I, the way I feel about my wife. I mean, 
I just have to go in, I just need to see her and to go in and give her a kiss and tell her I love her. And then I can go on with my day or whatever. And I know before I came in today, I saw her just before when I came in to the, to the building and then before I left, I wanted to go back and just give her a kiss and tell her how much I love her. Those things mean a lot to me. I think I'm seeing more of that. I'm experiencing more of that. I, I hear more encouragement for people to do those things now than I've heard in a long time. Mm -hmm. Even though this is a difficult time, it's time to re-examine what's really important in our lives. Those other things that we are losing or that have been stripped from us, but we're not saying they're not important, and we're not telling you to be in denial in la-la land, but you know what? There is a point where you got to let it go and just know there's more to life than those. And when that begins to happen, um, you, can, you can be very realistic about what you're coping with. The precautions that need to be taken toward this pandemic are unfortunately very uncomfortably real. To me, those, those face masks drive me nuts. Um, but you know, there are, there are things that we have to pay attention to that. There's no question about it. But yet there's other things that we have to pay attention to, too. It's the things that we may be valued, but we need to really appreciate now and feel grateful for. And some of them we don't have. They've been taken away. Or we have to get creative in new ways. And I would like to share a couple things that I've heard of and, and seen uh, that are about valuing family and connection. Uh, my husband and I were driving around this weekend and uh, a couple of cars passed us that had balloons streaming from them and on the windows were uh, happy birthday Megan and uh, made me think of something I had read online where um, kids who are having their birthday can't have a party and so what uh, some creative parents have done is that they schedule a time and then they get in the car and they drive past the homes of all of their kids friends that would have come to the party right. and uh, the kids come out on the porch the kids in the car they wave they sing happy birthday to each other and it's a little little more connection than a phone call uh, and it's a way of celebrating together and, and honoring this friendship a very creative thing to do uh, the Who's other in the car the Who was in the car? The there were three cars. I think there was. I think there must have been grandparents and kids oh, and oh, mom okay. and dad and, and all of that. Evidently, the ones. So they that, go past the houses of the kids. Yeah, that and they go, to the go back to their friends' houses oh, wow. and wave. That and, is cute. And the other thing I read, which was also very touching, yeah. was about a family who wanted to see their grandparents and, particularly, elderly. Elderly are supposed to stay very safe, mm -hmm. and they drove. I think three hours on a Sunday, just to be able to wave to Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, came out on the porch, waved blue kisses, and then drove home. And that was the best way they, the way they wanted to spend their day. Just, just so, oh, that that's moment. so lovely. You know, man. and that touched me. Uh-huh. It's so, touching me to hear about. Yeah, yeah, just the, that to me that combines the things we were talking about, about what matters most, and the connection, and the love that we feel, and getting a little creative about how to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's beautiful. That's so cute. That is sweet. You know, one of the other things we talk about, and this may be able to follow that a little bit, is this is a time to examine our spirituality. Now, it may be religiosity for some, 
But all of us, whether we're religious or not, have a spirituality to us. And these are the times that we can really come to look at ourselves a little bit and look at where we see where we really are spiritually. I find, particularly in a crisis or the height of a panic or a trauma, there's always a spiritual element, whether you like it or not, comes through. And um, usually it means that you have no control whatsoever about what's happening, and you just got to live through it if you can. But you know that something is in charge of this whole thing that's far beyond you. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've had that experience a number of times because I've worked in crises and emergencies, and I've seen it, I've gone through it personally. Um, it's something that we need to look at. Now, you know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, for, uh, for some, it, it, it may mean, you know, looking at their religiosity and looking their, at their attitudes and uh, what's happened, you know, to them religiously. It could also mean, uh, maybe something, it could mean something other than just that. It could mean uh, uh, kind of looking, I, I know there's people that think they're very spiritual. I know that. Right, or they, and they, and they, they feel that their faith is really in place. Yes, and they profess very strong religious or spiritual values. This is the time that you find out where you really are. Yeah. And there's plenty of holes um, in people who profess, and they have to also look at themselves and realize well, what they said and what they adhered to, they aren't really there. It's being put to the test. Mm -hmm. yeah. Those are the times when you can grow spiritually, because those... When you become aware of it, there's the time when you will begin to, to develop in those areas that were not real and authentic. Um, that's important. I think that's really important. There's other people that hide out in religiosity and spirituality. And, when, and they don't want to deal with reality or take responsibility for their part of it. This is a time that that comes to the forefront too. And there's a real authentic, because of the challenges and difficulties of taking a look at that also. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm talking fast about things that really have some potency to me. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't mean to run by this lightly because I think this is a, probably one of the more profound kinds of challenges that we, we go through. Um, and I know for me, and I, I use myself as an example too, that in during some of the crises that I've been through in my life, my spirituality did come through. Um, does, does it mean that I knew I was spiritual or that I believed in God necessarily um, the way I do today? But it was a time that that began to show itself. And um, I couldn't deny it. I had to see there was something greater than me in charge. And also something that cared about me more than I could care for myself. So there, there was a real, there's been awakenings during, for me during these crises. I see it now in churches. I see it not that they, people can go. They can't meet anymore. No. You know, people who have been going to church and maybe kind of got into a pattern or routine and yeah. go to church and go home, yeah. now they can't do that. No. And if we're talking about church, because, you know, that's our, what, our what, we're, what we're committed to. There's others that go to synagogues and others that go to mosques. Now, those aren't my beliefs or anything like that. But I'm not here to profess my belief. I'm here to tell people it's time for you to re-examine where you are. And these are the times that really, if you can go through it and go through the motions and pretend, or you can get real about it and find out where you truly are. And you can choose how you want to respond when you do that, instead of just being reactive. 
Um, you're still going to go through all the changes emotionally that everybody else does, but here's your counteraction to the voices of emotion that will mislead you. Now I'm talking about, not talking about the normal feeling state, but emotion comes with this, mm -hmm. plenty of it. Yeah. And it has its own voice, and it can be very loud, screaming, agitating, you name it. And at 8 o'clock every night, we hear plenty of people screaming and <laughs> Everyone's shouting. Everyone's out howling. Because they're, they're you know, isolating, and they're I can hear it, and, you know, we know about that because we do work, and we can hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. But what we really see is there's more to it than just the voice of emotion. And once you get that clear, <laughs> cleared up and, and decompressed, you realize that there's something greater out there that gives us a strength and a resilience um, that is true, real, and clear. All of a sudden, there's a perspective. The situation may be exactly the same as it was before, but way, the way we see it is that we're not imprisoned by the voice of our emotions. Do we feel them and have to go through them? Yes. Yes. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We are again uh, bringing encouragement, support, and some practical ideas to dealing with the COVID-19 crisis that we are going through as well as everyone out there hearing our voices. In our last segment, we talked about uh, some of the creative ways that people are uh, getting together, uh, about the way that people are starting to uh, focus in a little bit more on the, on the importance of love and relationships and uh, giving to each other. And then at the end, we were talking about uh, kind of a, an opportunity, a challenge to look at our spiritual lives, whatever that looks like. And uh, do we really live out what we profess. profess, what we believe? Or do we hide out? Or do we hide out? In and, it. Yes. And, and not really take our responsibility for our part of what we need to do. Right. But that's one of the principles, but we had others, and I'm, I'm looking back at them. Yeah, let's, let's pick something here. And, and well, I got one, the first one, refuse to take on the spirit of fear. And that relates right to what you were talking about, about how the voice of emotion that's right. can really take over. And that's, that's the fourth principle. Don't let your emotions dictate and contaminate your perspective. And don't let your history and fearful background, if there's fear, determine your future or contaminate how you see circumstances in the present. I want to talk about that quickly because we deal with that a lot. We, we help a lot of folks that have not just in current trauma and difficulty, but they've had histories of it. And one of the things I am seeing happening on a mass level is there's lots of people that have histories. That seems to be getting those fears and those emotions from the past, whether they're buried within the person and they didn't remember it, or they did and it's coming back, seems to be getting triggered. And what happens is when those emotions come up, it contaminates the present situation which there are, where there are fears that are normal. They're legitimate in the present fears yes. to be respectful of, but what you're talking about are the ones that come up with it. That's right. And when that happens, you have the emotional life taking you over so completely, your physical health can go down very quickly by it. Um, it can get you out of control. 
You get fear-driven is what we call fear it. Fear-driven, anger-driven. Um, it comes out and it can, it's really the intensity and charge of past experiences contaminating and running through the present. It's, we deal with helping people sort that out and we know how to decompress and get them back to a normalized way. The body takes over. Um, sometimes we can't help it, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. But you got to know about it. So we're talking about paying attention to these things and being aware of these principles because they happen. And they can, we've seen people get sick, seriously ill, not from the virus, from the fears that come up that have taken them over and affected their health and their well-being. We've seen it enough times already, and it's real. And um, you, it's very hard to talk somebody out of that when they're out of control. It, this is a, a, what we call a triggering, and mm -hmm. it is not rational. Yeah. Uh, it is a, a highly, highly charged emotional state. Yeah. And it may really have not much to do with it. It may be similar to the present, but it's not the same. And yet when folks get triggered, they can't tell the difference anymore. No, they lose that boundary between yes, past and present. Yes, and they think there is no boundaries anymore. Yeah. So we've worked uh, my whole career. You've been part of it um, in helping people sort that out. And we do pretty good. But it's still a very intense experience. Um, and sometimes, particularly in a crisis like this, is so massive that it's, it's hard for us at times to settle people down. We can tell them, we can decompress them, and yet we know they're out of control. Mm -hmm. And they really don't know that they're backsliding deeply into their past, and yeah. it's totally taking them over. So it makes everything so much more difficult and overwhelming. So there is very little perspective. Mm -hmm. um, that's the voice of emotion, right? And yeah. that's where your past can dictate and control your present and future. That's what we want to encourage people to pay attention to and to seek some help when you realize that. You may, I don't see anything wrong with it. If there's, you know, if you have good friends, um, it's okay. I woke up this morning and had a bad dream and, um, and had some emotion to it, of course. And, you know, I could, t I could see at the staff meeting, I'm leading it because I'm the boss. Well, I'll tell you what, if I didn't tell them, they would look, boy, what's wrong with him today? And I told them. And it was interesting, the support I got from our staff, and I needed it. And we do it for each other. Now, they're not gonna go through it for me. I know what to do to get through that. But to get the perspectives from somebody else when I couldn't get a handle on it myself, absolutely. That's what we lose so quickly is the perspective. Absolutely. And what people who know us can really help with is perspective. That we you don't have to be a professional even. No, no, not necessarily at all. And I mean, if you want to go to a professional, absolutely. Absolutely, but, yeah. And people in your community, your, your uh, clergy, your friends, your family that you trust, they could do that for you for, if you're willing to listen. Now, can they go through it for you? The answer is no. We have the tools. We've developed those tools over a long time professionally on help help people recover through those traumatic situations and emotion to get back on their feet and get their feet on the ground. That's very important. We do it. We help people. Thousands of people do it. Um, so we, we value that and we want to encourage you. If you're feeling that way, get some help quickly because the truth is you can lose your health over it and it can get to something pretty critical. Strokes, heart attacks, um, uh, high blood pressure, you name it. We, I'm telling you, it's for real. We've seen it with caregivers hold, that hold everything in, too. Yeah, yeah. After a while, you can't do that anymore. The emotion just takes you over and mm -hmm. can... It's too much of a drain It's on too the hard. System. It it's is. too it's, hard. So I want to encourage people not to get terrified about that. 
but there is a healthy fear mm-hmm. too that when you when you see that get get some help uh, I really encourage you to do that and the last thing I do want to say today is don't quit and don't give up it's not the end you're going to get through this we're going to get through this um, I saw I, one of the workers there I went to get some feed for my horses and Mexican guy who I'm very fond of and he looked at me and he was wearing his mask and he was telling me how to wear mine I said I can't stand it anyway mm-hmm. he says no maybe you'll get used to it <laughs> anyway and then he said to me how long do you think this is going to last and he looked at me and he says forever huh and I said no way yeah, this no. isn't going to last forever but he doesn't know and he needed somebody to go hey you get carried away here it's that's not how it good. felt to him that's how it felt to him and I said no yeah. way no, don't be silly. We're going to get through this. Yeah. And you're going to get through it and you're doing good. Don't worry about it. It's not going to last forever. Okay? So when he started, he was worrying. I could tell. Yeah. And once you start worrying, you start panicking. And he wasn't panicked, but you could tell that he was worried that this would never be different after this. Mm-hmm. And I said, of course, it's not going to be like this forever. Yeah. So don't worry about it. This is another area, I think, where... Um, it's hard to know what the world and will look like when we've kind of moved through this time. Mm-hmm. Um, some things may change, and that's hard to not have control over. And yet, um, we have talked quite a bit about resilience and about how resilience is not going back to the way things mm-hmm. were, but point. moving forward, uh, taking on what comes next. Um, we have the potential to become more resilient people by going through this time and being willing to say something different will, this something will be different when we get through this time, but let's make it a better, a better place. That's called transformative resilience. And you're right. A lot of times when we hear about resilience, we think about, well, we have coping skills and we'll just go use those and we'll go back to those. And, and what you're saying is maybe not. In fact, maybe you're going to have to find new coping skills and they aren't going to be the same anymore. You're going to be different. Well, maybe some of that old stuff will be interwoven, but you're not going to be able to go back to the way things were. And those old coping mechanisms may really not be applicable anymore to the current situation or the future. That's, I, I would think that's a positive thing. That could show you a resilience and a strength and a courage in yourself you didn't even know you had. And it's not going to be just falling back on the old ways anymore. There's going to be a new transformative, creative surviving and thriving that comes out of this. And I do believe it because we've seen it happen plenty. And maybe another more focus on the intangibles rather than I the hope, tangibles. I, want to, I, I hope so. I really hope that happens. And I hope that when things settle down, um, our producer, uh, Steve, brought this up today because it means a lot to him. and He's struggled with this. And that is not allowing ourselves to forget the lessons and yeah. to go back to the way things used to be yeah. and to keep pursuing the tangibles and forgetting what we've learned and, and the values that have come out of this for good and the slowing down and taking time to care about others and having empathy and compassion and love for your fellow man and, and a heart for their suffering and their pain mm-hmm. and not to see ourselves trying to get, be better than others but to be a fellow human being and I hope that there's many things like that that come out of this and also to look at ourselves and becoming more authentic and genuine and real. Um, that could be 
you know, these very difficult lessons of coming to grips with looking at ourselves instead of blaming others or thinking others have caused us all these troubles and then realizing other people didn't cause it, it's, uh, it's myself. And when we have to look at that, those are valuable lessons of becoming a deeper, more purposeful and authentic human being. That's, to me, that means so much. And that's tremendous resilience, honesty, genuineness, truthfulness, and it, I think spirituality. Too. I, think it all, I think it's all interwoven. Anyway, I think we're coming close to the end, aren't we? I think we probably, yeah, time for, for just a moment of, of, of a wrap-up and a, a final, anything that you would like to people to leave with, a final thought. The whole thing. <laughs> Go back to the beginning and no, listen. I think the whole thing is pretty good. I think it's, but I, I hope that what I've said today, you know, I don't know about you, I feel better. You know, talking about this makes me feel better. I feel better. Good. Steve oh, feels And our better. producer feels better. I feel better. You know, and we still have to go back to very difficult situations. Our work is always in that extraordinary range. We have a work. lot of hard work to do. And we have this massive pandemic, the financial pressures of their drag. Mm -hmm. And then we see you know, so many other people that are so scared, too. Right. So... Um, we're looking at all of that. We're not saying the situations have changed that dramatically. We're saying how we look at it is changing. And we hope we're conveying that to you today to encourage you to look at things differently and to care, to reach out. Don't let those barriers and walls come up again. Let them come down. Take an interest in others. I know everybody's having a rough time. But in my eyes, there's people that are having even rougher times than you or me and have a heart for them. See what you can do for them. Become more charitable. If not with money, then with time and energy to help other people. The elderly, the sick, the homeless. Um, there's many people that are really suffering that need our help. So keep an open mind and keep an open heart and um, try to find the love in the midst of all this. And I don't think it's easy. I'm not trying to convey that, but I think it's of tremendous value and purpose. Um, thank you, thank yeah. you, Peter. Yeah. Thank you. That means it's I'm, having, I'm going to the this end. way, yeah. you know. <laughs> the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. Uh, our website is www.sctraumatreatment.org, and there is a very easy place there to click on donations. Uh, please like us. We are on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Uh, if you like, YouTube and YouTube. And YouTube. Uh, thank you, Steve. We're on yes, television. We're all over the place. Um, if you have a question for Dr. Bernstein, Peter, or myself, Peter. we are at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com, and we do have a copy of the, the paper that we've updated that comes goes over a number of the things we've been talking about. Get in touch. We'd be glad to send you it's a on copy. The website. It, it's also on the Survivor's, Survivor's Guide to which I need to tell you about too. The paper is available to download there. The don't forget the Survivor's Guide to Thank you for joining us. And stay well. And safe.